Well, good afternoon, church family. Here it is, uh, June 16th, 2021, and we are in the part two of the final section of Psalm 119 uh, today. And before we take a look at God's word defining our existence, let's uh, open up in a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for this day, uh, and Lord, as we uh, take one last look uh, at uh, new uh, things that you want to show us in relation to your word uh, as we uh, begin wrapping up Psalm 119, Lord, I pray that you would just guide us, uh, that your spirit would uh, use it to uh, mold and to shape us into who uh, we should be, to give us the ability to glorify you as we should. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's begin our time as we always uh, have by reading our uh, section here uh, in Psalm 119, starting in verse 169. It says, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Well, in these last four verses, as we take a look at verses 173 to 176, as we consider the fact that God's word is what defines uh, our existence, uh, we, we see uh, some things that have come forth in verses 173 and 174, uh, because these two verses, as they couple together, speak to the psalmist calling out to the only one, and that's capital O-N-E, who could help and save him. Notice there in verse 173, it says, let your, your hand be ready to help me. Verse 174, I long for your salvation. So the psalmist is looking to the only one who could help and save him, the only one who could uh, be there in his time of need. Uh, that as he is drawn near to God, as we've seen earlier in this section, that he is confident that it is God, the one who is almighty, uh, who has all power, who knows the beginning from the end, the one who can speak truth into any situation is the one that can help him and save him. And it reminded me of Peter. Uh, as we consider Matthew chapter 14, and you remember that, that Jesus was walking on the water. Uh, and when the disciples saw him, they thought he was a ghost, and he comforted them and let them know that it was, that it was him. Uh, and in verses 28 to 33, we see Peter having an interaction with the, the Savior. And listen to it as I read it to you, uh, because I think it speaks to this section as the psalmist uh, is calling out to God for God's hand to be ready to help him and for um, God to save him. It says, And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Then verse 30, it says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began uh, and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And I think the parallel here is that, you know, Jesus is, you know, inviting Peter to come. Uh, and he does. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we take a look at the Word of God, as we've, we've, you know, taken in everything that we've learned over this last year in Psalm 119, uh, you know, God is inviting us to come and to, to take in His Word because God knows that His Word can speak truth, that God's Word can accomplish much, uh, that it will accomplish everything that God sets it out to do. But you'll notice that, uh, Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and puts his eyes on the wind and the storm around him. And he cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And see, this is the, the relationship that is here. This is what happens when we find ourselves taking our eyes off of Jesus, the one that we know in the book of Hebrews as the author and perfecter of our faith, and decide to put them on the circumstances of, of life, all the things that are happening around us, no matter what that may be, no matter what emotion that may uh, incur. And the, the thing is, is that Peter knew to say to Jesus and knew that Jesus had it had the power to do the very thing that he was asking. He says, Lord, save me. And this is exactly what the psalmist is saying here. He says, let your hand be ready to help me. I long for your salvation. So the psalmist here in Psalm 119 and Peter, you know, many uh, hundreds of years later, as he has the opportunity to be taught by and walk with and be, you know, impacted by the ministry of the Messiah, the Son of God, uh, sees uh, that even in his moment of, of crisis, the one thing that he needs to do is to call out to the one who is the word uh, and the one who brings life. And so the, the interesting thing is, is as the psalmist, you know, uh, reflects on these things and in, in, in the fact that, that God is the one who could help and save him, he says, for I have chosen your precepts and your law is my delight. So there's a balance here that the, the psalmist knows that God is the one who can save and, and help him. But in the same token, he doesn't just, you know, let that be an in itself. It is a truth, it is a reality that God can do those very things, but the, the, the psalmist doesn't just sit there and, you know, you know, wait for God to, to save. He's chosen, you know, God's word, and his, uh, that God's word and his law is his delight. And so the very things that will help, you know, shed light into his existence, uh, to help him see who he is and where he is and where he needs to go, uh, is the same uh, one who is the God of all. Uh, as we see here even in, in uh, Matthew chapter 14. Did you notice the response? And I went ahead and read verse 33 because I think it's profound. It says, And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Because that's what happens when mortal man comes in connection with the eternal God is that the truth uh, and, and their spiritual eyes are opened up to see things that others cannot. To be able to see that as we look at the creation all around us, that we know that it is not by accident, that it didn't just happen, that there is a design, that there is order, uh, and that only uh, the creator God could create the variety and the beauty that we see even in this fallen world that is affected by sin. Uh, but that which God makes is, is beautiful. 
Uh, and, you know, the psalmist, too, realizes uh, as he, you know, applies the truth of the word of God that it is the, the very words of God that define his existence. He knows who God is. He acknowledges God in his word. He knows that he needs God all the time. And it reminded me of the song by Matt Mayer, Lord, I Need You. Listen to the words. It says, Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you every hour. I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. He goes on to say, where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Teach me, or to, or to teach my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you, Jesus. You're my hope and stay. And I think that song adequately shows us that, you know, just like Peter, he knew that when he was falling, when he was going through that water because he took his eyes off of the Savior, that it was the Savior that could save. And the psalmist is the same as he looks for God's salvation, not man, you know, interceding, not things that he has put into place, not his own strength. Let your hand be ready to help me. I long for your salvation. And then the last two verses, verses 175 and 176, uh, um, split a little bit here. Uh, they don't, they, they complement one another, uh, but they are speaking to two separate, uh, subjects. Verse 175, uh, the psalmist is seeking to glorify God in all that he does. Notice what he says. He says, let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. It reminded me of verses that speak to uh, glorifying God. First uh, Corinthians ten thirty one says, "So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God." Colossians chapter three verses twenty three and twenty four says, "Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ." And one other in Psalm 119, going back to verse 11, he says, I have, stored my, uh, 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 I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. See, when we're not sinning, then we are, as believers, glorifying God. Because all those things that are not glorifying God are sin. And so as we, we you know, the psalmist is seeking to glorify God in all of that he does, let my soul live and praise you. Let your rules, let your word help me. It reminded me of the Westminster Shorter Catechism because the very first question in that catechism is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, is very profound, but yet very simple. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To understand what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. 
See, that is the heart of someone who has been transformed, that they are no longer part of this world, but are part of the kingdom of light to understand what God's salvation means and what it accomplishes and what it continues to accomplish as we live the Christian life. To be able to do that for which we were created, and that is to uh, glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But then verse 176, the psalmist changes uh, gears here because he goes from seeking to glorify God in all he does. And then he, he turns as the very last verse of Psalm 119, where he says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. See, I think the psalmist, as he's closing out Psalm 119, is balancing out because, as you will remember, at the very beginning, we talked about the overarching theme in relation to Psalm 119 is the word of God and uh, man glorifying God uh, as, as part of that. And so the psalmist here is he's being honest about his condition before God. He's not puffing himself up. He's, he's actually taking a good dose of reality. Uh, he's, he's agreeing with what it says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And this whole idea of utilizing a, a sheep, you know, which we, we, you know, rehearse often, but I think that we oftentimes forget the, the magnitude and the impact of this, this picture. You know, as we consider us uh, ourselves to be sheep, you know, what are sheep prone to do? They're prone to wander away from the flock and the shepherd, making themselves vulnerable to attack and injury. Well, sometimes we take our eyes off of Jesus. Sometimes we go through an entire week where we do not see the the impact and the importance of the word of God in our lives each and every day. And what does that do? Well, that, that creates a separation. It creates us looking somewhere else to those places where we think that the grass is greener on the other side, but ended up finding ourselves all alone and vulnerable to being attacked, whether that be a physical attack, whether that would be a spiritual attack, whether that would be an emotional attack, whatever it may be. The thing is, is that once that sheep has wandered off, you know, and the psalmist says, he says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. But see, sheep can also be stubborn, inattentive, and overconfident uh, to think that that oftentimes they believe they know better than even the shepherd himself. They go to the word of God and they say, well, you know what, that's, that's a good thing, but you know what, I know better. Or that we have the culture coming into the church and telling the church what is truth and what is not, as opposed to us going to the word of God. And so the, the psalmist is saying, you know, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. And that is exactly what the shepherd does. Because you have to understand that as we look at ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ, we have been bought and paid for. And the shepherd is not going to allow his sheep to wander for very long. Because the shepherd knows and understands the sheep. He knows them by name. He knows the number of hairs on their head. He knows their comings and their, their goings. The shepherd directs the sheep in a way that they should go because the shepherd knows what's best for the sheep. And so, therefore, he directs them in the direction they should go. And you know what? That is exactly what the word of God does because God knows us 
And he understands that we still struggle with sin. He knows that we need to be encouraged by the truth. He knows that man, when given the opportunity, will call that which is good, evil, and evil, good. The shepherd also teaches the sheep what is right and wrong. And only the the true shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, knows what is right, knows what the truth is. And that goes even all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And finally, the shepherd delivers the sheep from harm. And how many times as we take a look at our lives, as we, as we look back in 2020 vision to see the times where God has delivered us when we, we should have you know, experienced the results of our choices. See, the sheep are better off when they are more dependent on the shepherd. And I think it's interesting that the psalmist, as he says, that he is, uh, has gone astray like a sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Because God's word is written in his heart. He's memorized the word of God so that he may not sin against God, who is the shepherd. And so he knows and, and realizes the struggle. And I think as we, we close out this, this whole section, uh, as we close out this chapter of Psalm 119, and we consider the fact that we were created for the purpose of glorifying God, that we are prone to wander, that we need to find ourselves in the Word of God as much as we possibly can. You cannot be in the Word of God too much, but you can be in the Word of God too little. So church family, remember that God's Word should define your existence. It should define your choices in life, You know, even down to the very simplest things. Uh, it doesn't have to be just the big things of life, those big life choices. And I guarantee you, as you allow the word of God to define your existence, as you apply it each and every day in the small things, that even the big things will seem small. Because God will give us perspective, because he knows us, he will direct us, he will teach us, and he will deliver us. Let's close in a word of prayer. And Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, the ending of Psalm 119. We thank you for the honesty of the psalmist that he desires from the the depths of his soul that he would live and praise you, that he would uh, have your rules help him, that your word would speak truth into his life. But in the same token, he does not, you know, forget who he is. He forgets that he is the created, that he or he does not forget that he is the created, that he remembers that he is but dust. And apart from you, uh, Lord, he He has no existence. The reason he exists is because of your almighty power. And so, Lord, I thank you for his honesty as he uh, con- considered his own condition before you and reminded us that we are sheep, that we are prone to wander from the flock, that we're prone to wander from the shepherd that we're, we're prone to putting ourselves in situations that will cause us harm, uh, that sometimes we can be stubborn and inattentive and overconfident. And, Lord, I pray that that would not be who we are, but instead that, that we would be sheep that know that we're better off when we are with the shepherd, that we are with the words of the shepherd. And may they have a profound effect in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you once again, church family, as we've uh, finished out this last section. And next week, I'm going to be sharing with you just a, uh, I'd like to be able to finish as we began, uh, as we take a a very brief uh, overview of all the things that we've learned that are unique, uh, as we take a kaleidoscope look 
uh, at all the things that God's word is in our lives today. So God bless you. Uh, Lord willing, we'll see you on Sunday and have a, a great afternoon.